right, well, while Levi gets situated to uh, read a scripture for us, just a couple thoughts here. Um, yeah, we've already had one good message there. Good message there. We started with a good message, and I'll just echo as well that you know, God is always present. We are always in his presence, but anytime we get Nate leading worship, I feel it more by the time we're done, so that's a great blessing. Um, and yeah, Bob pointed out, you got Jeremy and his trendiness, but it's good to be in a church where it's not just monochromatic or whatever the word might be, one type where you got to fit in. You know, I went uh, visited a church recently where it kind of seemed if you didn't have the trendy floppy hair and the shaved sides that maybe you didn't quite belong there. But, uh, but so it's good to see people with the, the neon colors, the trendiness. You want to come in a full-on suit, that's great as well. You know, wherever you're at, we want you here and you, you will fit in. Yes. Um, so, is Levi ready to read from Acts chapter 11 for us? Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Sirius, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of the men were from Cyrus and Cyrene, who when they, when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of the heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great, number of people, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So that it was for a whole year they assembled the, with the church, and taught a great many, and taught a great many people. And the disciples and the disciples were fir- the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Thank you, sir. All right, so that started out with talking about the people scattered by the persecution from Stephen. Uh, without Steve Harris here, maybe I'll just and could also be pronounced Stefan, um, but you know he won't take offense if he's not here to hear it that way. Um, so that persecution happened, and persecution is, by definition, a bad thing. And by definition, we've already heard Romans 8.28 is a true promise of God. So God takes a really bad, horrible, life-threatening, life-ending thing and uses it for good. If that persecution didn't happen, the Christians probably would have said, hey, we got a good thing here. Jerusalem's our home. Our family, our friends are here. We got a job. Why on Antioch? Maybe I'll take a vacation there for three days sometime, but I'm not going anywhere. And God knows that. And that's not a bad worldview to have, but it's not always God's worldview to have. He wants to shake us up, get us moving. And sometimes he knows that's got to happen through persecution. So God was up to something there. And look at the benefit. It cost Stephen his life. But if you asked him right now, hey, was it a worthwhile trade to lose your life that the gospel would spread around the world? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a pretty easy answer, right? And kind of hitting home a little bit in our culture right now, probably in our hearts and our minds, we kind of think like, boy, there's a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff happening in our world, you know, by Muslim extremists. 
I wonder if we have any of those around here. I wonder what they might do, you know. And I wonder what they might do. And, you know, it would be a horrible thing if something bad happened around here due to that. But we have Amit living in this basement, going to church here, who, what, two years ago was a Muslim. And sometimes it's not persecution taking us out. Sometimes God's really merciful. And he says, hey, I'll take these people I'll bring them to you. You don't even need to leave your Jerusalem. I'll bring the world to your door. So, I mean, how awesome is that, that here's a, a now a brother in Christ, a, a dear friend with a great chuckle, and he is in the family when he used to not be. So let's just go worst-case scenario. Let's say something really bad happens, and some of us are there at the mall that day when the bomb goes off. That's a great trade for a meat to be in God's family, for how many other Muslims to be in America hearing the truth of the gospel, being able to encounter Jesus and see him in his people, even if it costs us everything, we're still the winners. They're the winners. We're going to win together. God's going to win. Uh, so just a little perspective on things that are bad and are scary, and we need Romans 8.28, and we need God's eternal perspective to be able to think rightly. Uh, so Barnabas being the encourager that he is, he hears, hey, guess what? The word spread. There's Christians up in Antioch now. So oh, I got to go there. Got to check that out. So he saw the grace of God, and he was glad. There's a lot of things that should make us glad about each other. You know, people are fun. People are good cooks, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's fun to play tennis with people. That's good stuff. But hopefully what really attracts us to each other the most on the deepest level is, wow, I see God's grace in you, and that really, really makes me like you and be attracted to you. Uh, so I think that was Barnabas's heart. And so he was glad when he saw that, but then he didn't say, oh, hey, I see God's grace in you. I'm back to Jerusalem. Things are good here. No, what he did then is he exhorted them. And that, you always got to check what translation someone's going to read when you have them read for you because... Uh, the word in the ESV is he exhorted them to remain faithful to God with steadfast purpose. So when I read that on Tuesday, that kind of gripped my heart. Like, wow, that's a good thing to do, to exhort one another to remain faithful to God with steadfast purpose. But then, so I got thinking, okay, yeah, that's a good thing to do. And then God really touched my heart, you know, 15 minutes later, or whatever, I was like, wait a minute, that word steadfast. That comes up a lot in the Bible. And what other word is almost all the time following it? Steadfast blank. Love. Steadfast love. Exactly. And that's normally speaking of God. So I got to thinking, like, you know what? Don't exhort people to remain faithful and steadfast until you give them some great ground for that to grow in. So... Uh, if you flip through the Old Testament, you will find many, many times things like this. Even God revealing himself to Moses, to whoever in the Psalms. They'll say things like this. I'm the Lord God who is gracious, merciful, and abounding in steadfast love. That's who he is. It's not just how he decided to act once you came on the scene. The reason we're on the scene is because that's his heart. I'm so gracious, I've got to create someone to be gracious to you know, I can't hold that in because God doesn't need grace. He's already got it, you know. So if he wants to help someone, he's got to make someone to help, you know. So 
Is God's glory reaching out and serving us? Absolutely. And we get to s- exalt him in the process. That's, that's kind of what the universe is all about. Uh, and then often the response in the Old Testament when you hear about God's steadfast love is something like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. And hopefully that's our heart as we're going down the railroad tracks. You get whatever on this side, but man, it's always on that side, and that train's constantly moving, and it's got a real strong engine, and it's got great fuel in it, and it's God's goodness, his steadfast love. Uh, So if you read through the Psalms, here's some things you would find about the extent of God's steadfast love. It surrounds us. We're always in God's presence, and it's not a stern presence. It's not a, blew it again, check. It's his steadfast love constantly surrounding us. The earth is full of God's steadfast love. If you go walk for four and a half miles, if you're not having your nose in your phone the whole time, one of the things you're going to see is, oh, my gosh, Look how loving God is. And you don't need to be a Christian to see that. Everyone knows that. You know, elsewhere in Acts, uh, Paul was talking and he said to the people, hey, you know, you have tasted fruitful and rainy seasons and you know God's goodness, you know. Everybody knows it. They try and hide it. They stuff it down because they do know he has standards. He does have check boxes. Thankfully, we can't, you know, meet those requirements. We need Jesus. But people who don't want to go that route, they just stuff. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, God. God d- probably doesn't even exist. And if he does, who could know? Yeah, nature's pretty. Okay. Well, they're missing out big time. Uh, God's steadfast love, is, the earth's not just full of it. It extends to the heavens. You know, you go on a trip to Mars sometime, which could happen. You'll be hurling through God's steadfast love the entire way there. And you'll probably realize it because I bet it's pretty awesome out there. His steadfast love endures forever. It's never going to end. You know, it's human relationships. Wow, I really like that person. They're awesome. They're all, yeah, they're okay. They're kind of getting on my nerves. Uh, check the clock. Can I get away from them soon? But God's steadfast love never stops. And it never started. It's from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him. That's awesome. And the last thing about the extent of it is it's better than life. And what the psalmist said in Psalm 63 is, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you as long as I live. So whatever great things you have in life, and we all have a lot of them, God's steadfast love is better than any of them. It's better than being alive. You know, if we died today or in 50 years, we're going to say, wow, what I had was good. But now I'm in a position to more fully receive God's steadfast love, and this is better. So his love is the best thing we have going. Uh, So then in the Psalms, in light of that that is God's steadfast love, you might say then, well, if he loves me like that, if it's always surrounding me, it's from everlasting to everlasting, it's the best thing in life, there should only be one track on this rail, right? It should just be good, bliss, ease. But that's not reality. So in light of God's steadfast love in the Psalms, there is a lot of requests made to God. God, because of your steadfast love, in your steadfast love, please do this, because i got a lot of problems. And I know your steadfast love is better than them, but I'm also banking on this. In your steadfast love, you want to relieve me from a lot of these problems. So you hear things like, 
you know, in your steadfast love, hear my voice, answer me, remember me, help me, comfort me. Man, how about anytime you need comfort? Forget about food, forget about a hug from somebody. Those are good. What about God's steadfast love wrapped around you, engulfing you, holding you up, giving you strength? That's worth asking and crying out for. And your steadfast love, save me, redeem us, have mercy, deliver my life. But it's not just enough to have our lives delivered, it's give me life. Because if I don't have your steadfast love, I'm existing, I'm not living. You know, I want life, and that's got to be in you. It's got to be in your love. Uh, let your steadfast love come to me. You know, it's, it's got to be God sending it. We can't dig it up. We can't make it happen. And even when he sends it, we can't receive it on our own. So that's why the psalmist cried out, satisfy me with your steadfast love. It's coming and hitting me, but I'm such a fool. I'll neglect it. I'll miss it. I'll turn somewhere else. So God, work in my heart so that I take in your steadfast love. And I'm like, wow, that's exactly what I needed. And it's in the form I need right now. So that's the extent of God's steadfast love, requests based on it. Uh, there are also a lot of actions that would happen in the Psalms because of God's steadfast love. People entered his house in his steadfast love. Hopefully when we walked in that door this morning, we said, wow, you know, God's love is in there. That's why I want to go. And it's God's love that propelled me there. God's love was with me as I was going in. They bowed down to his holy temple because of his steadfast love. They gave thanks to his name. It's good to give thanks. You know, too often we just take, 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 and become so steady state. But hopefully you're like me, and sometimes you kind of get a, a jolt in your mind. You're like, wow, thank you. You know that you know, thing I oh oh uh oh is it another rat? Kind of cool indeed, yeah? So even when our sub sandwich gets taken, we can rejoice in God's steadfast love and give thanks, yeah? And that's, uh, that's the next thing. It's not just, they didn't just give thanks to his name because of his steadfast love. They rejoiced and were glad. So, you know, our heart, we, our mouth can lip service thanks, but man, when we actually experience and taste God's steadfast love, there's going to be real joy, real gladness that that Thanksgiving's going to come out with. And it probably won't always just be said in a quiet tone. They sang aloud because of God's steadfast love. You know, hopefully what was driving us to sing 20 minutes ago was God's love. He's here. He cares. He's upholding me. He's given me life in him. And then uh, people in the Psalms would hope in God's steadfast love. So as you're looking down the train tracks at the future, boy, that thing coming, that looks pretty scary. This thing that's been the caboose on my train for the last 20 years, and man, I wish I could shake that. Well, we can hope in God's steadfast love that it's going to be enough. He's driving us in a good place. Uh, people in the Psalms trusted in his steadfast love forever and ever. 
So we don't just have a hope like, well, yeah, I could kind of see that it's possible that the track could turn and this could work out. It's a guarantee. It's a trust. It's rock solid. I know your love. I know your character. I know who you are. I absolutely am trusting in you. But it can't end there. We can't just get me, God, I'll praise him, that's good. Got to call others into it. You know, that happened in the Psalms a lot. They would call others to thank God for his steadfast love. And sometimes the way they would do that would be in a psalm. Uh, So one psalm in particular came to mind. It's Psalm 136. And we will have Joel. The way this psalm is set up is there's like a one line that the leader will read, and then everyone together says, for his steadfast love endures forever. So Joel will read the kind of the, the benefits, and we'll bring that uh, refrain foundation. So that's the only line you need to know, for his steadfast love endures forever. And uh, you know, once again, it doesn't need to get too churchy. You don't need to have that right rigid tone. If you want to get a little happy because God's steadfast love endures forever, that would probably be all right. So however you want to say it, however you want to dance it, that's just fine. So Joel, you can take it away, and whenever he pauses, yeah, we'll do the whole psalm. So he'll read a line. We'll come in with, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who spread not the earth upon the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With his mighty hand and outstretched arms. In him who was divided the Red Sea. And brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led the people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Shion, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low esteem. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven.
and we don't want to be heretical and add to the scriptures, but you know, we kind of had some time earlier where people shared you know, kind of something they were thankful for. So here's kind of another chance. You know, if you have another verse that you could add to Psalm 136, if you just want to say that right now, maybe God sparked something else in your heart in this last stretch of time, and we'd love to hear that and rejoice with you. If not, we can keep going here. So give you a few moments if something's coming up. Well, and in that great commission, Jesus says, teach them everything I've commanded you. So if you want to get down to exhorting people towards remaining faithful and steadfast purpose, once again, though, don't, don't, don't ever read the Bible, listen to someone speaking and hearing, all right, that's God's command. I got to do it. Hear it in. Here's who God is. Here's what God's done. Here's the power God is putting in me. Look what I get to become. That's what God's after. He doesn't care if you follow every one of his rules and your heart's wrong. He wants to transform us so that we become like Jesus. So, some encouragement to be steadfast from the New Testament. Uh, Paul told Timothy, flee the love of money and all the pangs it brings. Instead, pursue steadfastness. Money's good. Money's necessary. If you love it, it's going to destroy you. So instead of going down that road, when we start to find our heart going down that road, we got to flee. We got to turn the other way. And just as much as we wanted money, we got to say, I want to be steadfast. I want to remain faithful. I want to follow Jesus. I want to keep my eyes fixed on him and the treasure that he is. Um, At the end of his great chapter on the resurrection, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, therefore, because the resurrection is true, because you're going to live forever in a new glorified body with Jesus and with each other, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So stay steadfast. Go to Africa and then come back and keep working for God. But work in such a way where it's like, wow, he's got me. I'm going to live forever. God's power is at work in me. That's the ground I'm going to be steadfast from. And I'm not going to lose heart because I see where this is all going to end. My labor's not in vain. Maybe you try some and say, boy, that really didn't go too well. That's okay. It's not in vain. God's going to reward you in that forever. God's going to, you know, comfort any pain it caused forever. Uh, We should, Paul reminded the Colossians, to continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. Prayer is connecting with God. And that's the most important thing we can do. And we need to be steadfast to keep that, to guard that, make sure we're doing that, to be watchful in it. You know, don't just... 
Okay, I just want to soak up your presence and have my little list of things I want. Stay on the alert. What does God want to talk about right now? Who does God want me to intercede for? What does God want me to be pursuing right now? And once again, with thanksgiving, be steadfast about your thanksgiving, right? If you ever find us like, boy, I haven't, I haven't said thank you in a while. Probably got to get steadfast, get focused, get firm on, boy, God, change my heart. Make me thankful so I can commune with you better and respond better to the world around me. Uh, when Paul remembered the Thessalonians at the beginning of his first letter to them, he remembered their steadfastness of hope. So that would be a great way if you know, a visitor came to Lydia House next week and then came back a year from now and said, hey, you know what I remember about you guys? I remember how steadfast your hope was, how you knew where you were heading, you knew what God is going to do for you and through you, and you just clung on to that. I mean, that would be pretty cool if, if that could be the type of people we were. And then when Paul wrote them that next letter, once again right at the beginning of it, uh, he was saying that he was boasting about their steadfastness and enduring persecutions, which isn't fun. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to be steadfast and thankfulness. But, uh, you know, the, the way that you endure troubles, as people watch that, they can say, wow, hey, all right, uh, hey, check this out. Check out this guy over here. He's got a lot of tough stuff in his life, but look how steadfast he is. Look how much he trusts in God and keeps hoping in him. You know, so that's, that's a pretty cool testimony as well. Um, James, right at the beginning of his letter, talking about you know, the way to get places spiritually, says, you know, let steadfastness have its full effect so that you'll be perfect and complete. That's a really good goal. I would love to be perfect and complete. I cannot get there, and neither can you, unless you're steadfast and you let that have its effect. So God wants to work some things through our being steadfast. Um, Here's the good news, though. When we don't make it, we don't get to be perfect and complete. I know I'm not there yet. i got a hunch none of you are either. Uh, Jesus will present us blameless before God on the last day if we continue steadfast. So all my boxes are checked because Jesus did them all. So when I meet God in judgment, that's not judgment. That's a welcome home. You know, that should not be in the least bit of concern for any of God's children. You know, that judgment day, that was taken care of a long time ago. That's time for rewards and partying and meeting new friends. You know, that's what that's about. Um, So even though I'm not going to be perfect, where I mess up, Jesus will present me blameless, and the only thing I have to do is stay steadfast, keep trusting, keep hoping, keep believing. As long as I do that, he's got everything covered. Uh, then James, a couple verses later, said, you know, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has endured, he will receive the crown of life. So it pays, all right? Trials are hard. That's by definition, right? If they're easy, it wouldn't be a trial, right? So when things are hard, if we remain steadfast, we are blessed. Blessed sometimes in the right here and now with God's comfort and consolation and the things we learn and the way our character is shaped. But also we're blessed that there's a crown of life waiting for us. And that, I mean, that's a descriptive picture that I only, can only say this. I guarantee it's better than anything we imagine. So now the question, how do you get to become steadfast? Well, here's just a couple thoughts. Have a hero. You know, Timothy followed Paul's steadfastness, 2 Timothy 3. 
So if you see someone out there who you're like, wow, that person, they've been at this thing a while. They hope in God. They trust in God. They're full of thanksgiving. They got their priorities right. They don't buckle when things get hard. I want to be like them. I'm going to admire them. I'm going to try and imitate their faith. Don't imitate their personality. That's pretty stupid. All right, you be you, but look to those who are having success in the one thing that matters most, which is your walk with God, and try and imitate their faith. Get around them. See how they've done it, how the areas they've grown, and the wisdom they can impart to you. And you know who the best person to model and ask questions would be God. You know, Paul prayed to be steadfast. He was probably the best Christian of his time, so he didn't have a lot of people he could look to, so he went there. He prayed for steadfastness. So if the best Christian needs to do that, I guarantee you and I need to do that. So let's pray, 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 pray. God, help me to be steadfast. Fill me up with your spirit that I can walk the way you want me to walk. Uh, Then, kind of right back into James, have your faith tested. It's not, you're not going to grow in steadfastness if things are always easy, right? I mean, uh, you know, when Jeremy, oh, he's gone, dang it, okay, but and he's getting thick, he's bulking up, right? But that, that happens because he starts to lift more weights, do more endurance than he was doing the week, the month prior, right? So if you just say, yeah, I can handle this and I'll live there, you don't grow, you don't get bigger, you don't get stronger. But if you're willing to go through the tests of faith with God, our steadfastness will grow. So, but then that just raise it up. It's, oh, yeah, but tests and trials, those are so hard. That's not the fun stuff in life, which God's steadfast love has a lot to say right in the midst of trials. Lamentations, a book written, right, as Israel is in some really tough times, you know, bad, bad stuff. And uh, right in the midst of that, God says to Jeremiah to pass along to the people, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. So that we can count on. If your trial drags on and on and on, God's steadfast love comes new every morning with new mercy to help you bear today's burden with today's strength. And then just 10 verses later, uh, Jeremiah writes, though he caused grief, Sometimes God brings things into our life that cause us grief. A lot of times he allows things into our life that cause grief, cause trouble, cause pain. He will have compassion according to his steadfast love. God is so kind and so loving that even when he's, you know, taking us through the fire to make us who he wants us to be, he still can't leave his love out of the equation. He's coming in with it right on the heels of, of the, the testing. You know, verse that I love from Psalm 25, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant. So when things look tough, it's not just the one side of the tracks that's love. The other side is too, you know, all those difficulties. That's God's faithfulness. That's God's love to you that he's seeing you through that in the way that he is and shaping us the way that he is. Um, You know, James... uh, wrote that, you know, we count those blessed to endure difficulty. And he says, you know, consider Job. Job's steadfastness showed God's purpose, which was what in James chapter 5? That the Lord would be compassionate and merciful. Sure didn't seem that way for the first 41 chapters. But then then there, it's like Job realizes, wow, that's what you are up to here. I, I know you deeper now. 
that was worth it. It was a good trade. cost me almost everything, and I almost quit. But to know you better, to know your compassion, to know your mercy, that's worth it. Uh, but once again, it can't stop with us and God. Jonah got called to go to Nineveh. And he's like, ugh, I don't like those people. They're horrible. They did horrible things. But he went, and he went, and he probably maybe enjoyed the first message, repent, God's going to destroy you. And then, oh, they did it. They repented. God didn't destroy them. And then Jonah said to God, he said, well, I knew, I know who you are. I know you're merciful and gracious, and that in your steadfast love you'll relent and not bring destruction. So that's our hope for everyone we care about who's not in the family right now, every person we bump into out on the street there. God has steadfast love for all those people. And right now they deserve his destruction. But that's not what he wants. He wants to come in his love and his mercy and his grace and his compassion to give them a new heart, to, to see who he is, to come to him in faith and humility and so let's never give up. You know, those people that we care about, the hard people that we see, let's let's get God's heart for them. And I think that's a good place to end. And from there we can have Bobby uh, go into communion. Well, I was certainly strengthened by Joel's message and ministered in my heart for this today. Your heart? Something I want to do too, we have some teenagers in in our community and oftentimes we don't hear their voices um i wish i could hear their voices more and i think my wish is going to come true if they all comply so here's what i'm going to ask if you're a teenager can you just stand up i'm not going to embarrass you too much um but what i would like you to say is maybe say your name and just a little something about yourself it could be like something you like to do something fun you did this summer and Maybe we'll just start here, and we'll just kind of go yoink, and if anybody back there wants to do it, you're welcome to do it too. All right, so go for it. Uh, awesome. Ask a question. Go for it. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Is that your football? Okay, I like this. And I, I think being a teenager is like you're growing, you're changing, and it's so rapid, but it, it can be really challenging too. It can be I, – I think the transition in the teenage life might be the most challenging of all like life experience. That's my opinion, okay? Um, so we want to support the teenagers in this community. I want to pray for them right now. Father, I, I thank you. I thank you for our teenagers and – Lord, they're important. Their presence here is important. And uh, they have a lot to contribute. And I, I pray that, uh, that we'd hear more from them, that we would be blessed more from them. Your spirit is in them. And thank you for, for track and football and tennis and 
cheerleading and uh, just being able to enjoy the beautiful things that you have given us. In Jesus' name, bless them. Amen. We're going to transition into communion. We partake in the grace of God when we partake in the symbols, the elements, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is a means of grace. Having Nate lead worship is a means of grace. Having Joe preach is a means of grace. There are many means of grace where God uses a person or a thing, the cracker and the grape juice, as a vessel to release blessing, life, and transformation into us. Some people take communion and be healed, literally be healed. That happens. Some people take communion and they're delivered. Okay, It's a very deep, beautiful, intimate thing, um, an opportunity to meet God in a beautiful way. Now it says here, First Corinthians, for I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner he also took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So what I'm going to ask, there's two stations here. You just go to the station nearest you, grab the elements, sit down, and reflect. And see if the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe you need to repent of something. You know what? I still sin. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me. I need to repent so I can be free, so I can receive from the Lord and from my brothers and sisters. So please go to the stations now. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you so love the world, that you sent your Son, He lived a sinless life. He suffered willingly. He went to the cross, 
shed his blood, which is the new covenant that reconciles us to God, frees us from sin, brings us eternal blessing. We thank you for the broken body, scourged, ripped to pieces, pierced, hung on a cross for our sins. And by his stripes we are healed. We thank you for the power of the death of Jesus Christ, the legal transaction that happened. We are free from the kingdom of darkness. We are brought into the kingdom of light with all of the blessings, with all of the benefits. And we declare that we belong to Jesus, that we are forgiven of our sins, that we are under grace this morning. So now take and eat the body of Christ broken for you. And take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you. And I believe God is going to bring some blessings, some healing, some strength this morning. We'll just join as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found twas blind but now I see The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.